the Soundwave Chronicles podcast brought to you by FD Productions engages in conversations with pioneering musicians, producers, and experts from the music industry. We get the inside scoop on what it takes to make it in the music industry today by delving into the sources of their inspiration, their creative process, and much more as we explore a wide range of their experiences. I am your host, Afterlove, and I want to welcome you today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. DJ Diesel is in the house. How you doing? And I am super stoked, uh, and for multiple reasons. First of all, we're going to talk about his career, uh, his accomplishments, some of the really interesting thing he's, things he's done over, over the past few years. And uh, he's local. That makes it even cooler. I mean, I've been, we've been interviewing people all over the world, and we got a local, talented artist right here with us. Uh, DJ Diesel, welcome. Welcome to you? the show. Thank Thanks. you for having me. Thank you. You're Pleasure very, to meet you guys. You're very, very welcome. And um, I appreciate you taking out time from your busy schedule yes, to, to be no here problem. to, to yeah. schmooze with us. So uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the, the intro, the bio for, uh, for you, because I'd rather kind of hear it straight right from, into it. from you. Okay. But uh, you've done quite a few things, and, and you're a veteran uh, uh, in the field. Yeah, I, I consider myself still a rookie, but I guess you could say that I've, I've put some time in with, the, uh, with my career so far. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, got Now, when did you get started? Like, where, where, like where and when? Like, right, how so long ago? Nine, it's a funny story. My, yeah. I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. My parents wanted to move here to West Hempstead. And um, I didn't want to move away. I wanted to stay with, you know, my friends. I wanted to go to school there. Uh-huh. I was just starting high school. And, um, but I was into DJing. I used to uh-huh. listen to Funk Master Flex on High 97 every Friday, record mixtapes. Funk Flex, did you say? Funk Flex, yeah. That was I like s- my guy, him, Red Alert. Was on ninety eight point seven, and I would go back and forth on a Friday night listening to them and recording on my father's tape deck. But I got to—that's when I first got introduced to that whole DJing yeah. uh, thing. And uh, so I told my father, "If you want me to move to Long Island, you got to buy me DJ equipment." I got to tell you, yeah, that's before how we continue. I, I see Funk Flex all over my feed all the time. Yeah. There's something about the algorithm that I guess they feel like I should be interested in what he has to post. I mean, but half of the stuff that he posts are just interesting news about just like the world and right, controversial right. stuff very little to do with music but right. i don't know if you see these 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 posts from him i don't see them okay <laughs> no. it's me and instagram you know yeah i guess we got this love-hate relationship probably, yeah, you know? algorithm i guess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so that's so my father bought me dj equipment and we moved to west Hampstead. so uh, about what time was that what, like 94 how many? 94 14 okay. So you are really, you're truly a veteran. Yeah, you, I played. Yeah, I played. Learned on vinyl. Taught myself. Uh-huh. I, the first pair of turntables my father got me were belt drive. They were like if you sneeze, the, the record would skip, uh-huh. and that's how I learned how to scratch and mix. And then uh-huh. when I got techniques, like I the was, real way, right? The real way. The real way. On that's the... how I learned. Yeah, yeah. So then I got Very techniques, cool. and I was a, a pro at it. Uh-huh. And so I, would, I played hip hop high school. I would do high school parties, or whatever. Um, and then when I graduated high school. My father's like, either you go to college. I wanted to go to, I wanted to, go to music school, but uh, mm-hmm. I wound up going to work for him. So I took like a little break with the DJing. And then like in uh, 2000, I'd say early 2000s, I got into house music. Going out to like Crowbar, Sound Factory. Mm-hmm. I became friends with a lot of top DJs. And not even the DJing um, aspect of it is what um, made me want to come back. It was the uh, production. Being in a club... 
having these these guys who are DJs because I was I was you know DJed and uh, but now they're producers mm-hmm. and to have like their track on with like hundreds of people loving their music mm-hmm. that to me personally is an art. DJing's an art, but when you make your own music, it's very there's just something more to it. How that do you I that? feel? And that's when I was like, you know what? I want to get into house music. And first thing, if I ever announced that I'm going to start DJing again, I need to learn how to produce. So I taught myself how to produce. I didn't go to school. It's I sat there for a month and learned mm-hmm. whatever program. And there you go. You know, when you say I didn't go to school, I, I wonder about all the great producers <laughs> out there, uh, you know, on the pop scene. How many of them actually went to school? I don't know. I don't know. Every, right. Everybody has their own story. And um, for me, I don't think it. It's right or wrong either way. Mm-hmm. I think whatever you have to do to get to where you want to be, that's mm-hmm. fine with me mm-hmm. as long as you get there. You know, if I felt that I needed to go to school to learn, I would do it. So what you're saying is it really just boils down to the passion that you have yeah, I guess uh, in, just, in, yeah, in the production. Just, it's just how bad you want it. I mean, me, I, I would still go to school to learn other things, you know, because there's, there's so much... Um, or that's involved with music production, mm-hmm. mixing, mastering. That I'm I'm not a master at, mm-hmm. but I can make a track. Pardon the pun, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can make tracks. I could DJ, mm-hmm. and you know, you send out your music to be mixed and mastered by professionals. You know, but that's something I would like to get into. That would be my next thing to get into. Uh, sorry. So your next, the next. I, I'm sort of jumping the gun here. I was yeah, going right. to ask you about that, but the next thing that you're interested in doing, I would like to learn the art of mixing and mastering. And then mix and master maybe some other people's tracks, but that's like something later on. That's not right mm-hmm. now at the moment. So at the moment you're working with other other professionals. Yeah, I work with other, other people. I send my music out to, and they they finish it off for me, and then I send it to the the labels to be uh, released. So right now you're working on techno. Um, is that correct? Yeah, yeah well, mo- most most of my releases are techno. I'm in the techno genre, but it's more like a tribal tech feel mm-hmm. it's not pots and pants you know the same kick drum percussion yeah right. yeah so if you're a little percussion in there a little afro flavor a little latin flavor and you know mix it up so that you know i remember back 2014 i was at bpm and i remember one of the artists we were like walking through the streets to get something to eat and they were like there there's like a new subgenre of techno we're calling it tribal tribal tech mm-hmm. and ever since he said that i was like you know what? that's actually I like the sound of that, you know, mixing yeah. tribal with a techno sound, and that's basic, you know, basically what I do. Yeah, and there's something really amazing about being able to connect with people across borders, about yes. across po- political, you know, barriers and right. cultural barriers, yeah. religious barriers. So you're able to kind of get an, an international audience yes. in this, in yes. a sense, with the tribal tech. Yes. Yeah. So you've worked with like Stereo Productions. You've released music through Stereo Productions, Nervous that was Records. My first release, Stereo. And what was your first release? What was the first release? Like, well, my first signed, uh, my first actual legit signed release was with Stereo Productions, a track called Sound of the Beating Drum. And that was my first real label that I signed to. And when was that? 2000. And I signed it in 2017. It was released in 2018. Cool. So, you, yeah, you've been doing this for a while. And, yeah. um, now and then you move to other labels. I, I see, like you, you, you released through Nervous Records, yes. Magna Recordings, yes, 1980 Recordings, 1980 recordings. Um, Funk Tracks was a, another big label that I released with. Now, did you have a favorite label that you work with? My and, favorite label is Nervous Records. And why? Why would you say that? Like, it's what? just growing up when I first started DJing. The first record my father bought me for, when I was. Um, uh, a rap single from Smith and Wesson called um, Bucktown. 
And it was Nervous Records. And then when I was a kid, my father's like, you know, the DJ and stuff is cool. He's like, but you need to be a producer if you really want to make it. Your father it. said this. My you. father said this to me no when I was young. He's like, one day, he's like, you want to impress me? Come through that door and tell me you're a music producer. And I did. But I always said to myself, I'm going to release on this label one day. I'm going to be a producer for Nervous Records one day. And here we are. Now, I, I have to say you're blessed uh, from my vantage point. Okay. Because to have a father that that sort of encouraged you within the career yeah. that you chose is, is, I would say, is a blessing. Because I can tell you personally, somebody who's in the music industry, that was not my initial, that I was not initially supported by right. friends and family. They were concerned. Right. So what I'm hearing from you is, it, well, that's it's a big deal. That's mainly because my father's a self-taught guitar player. He's a guitar collector, and okay. his passion is music, and I guess I inherited that. So, Amazing. you know, like me, I was with my father yesterday, but that's all we talk about now is, you know, music, how, how's your career going, and, uh, yeah. And how about your mother? My mother's, um, she's supportive, you know, she's, uh, but not like my father, because my father has a love for it, you know, mm -hmm. he, he has, like, a hundred guitars. God knows what they're no worth. They just collected items. You go in my parents' basement. It's just a string of like a line of guitars. Now, do you work with live instruments when you produce your music, or is it just mostly? Like, um, so I have a lot of uh, stems that I just you know I take I get from other people. I have recorded a uh, live drum for my track uh, "Feel My Body." Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it, it just depends if I have someone who's um, you know inclined to play an instrument and they want to record mm -hmm. I'm, I'm all up for it and, and have you had your father record on track not yet I'm, I'm pushing him to do it he gets a little shy for I'm, some reason you're doing big but things now so. it's gonna come yeah he's starting to ease up into it well that's the nice thing about recording you can be shy and yeah. still kind of express yeah, yourself yeah i think i think he's um he got stage fright my father because <laughs> he's never really performed in front of a crowd but he's very talented can't read music but he can play any any chord and like guitar wise he impresses me to mm -hmm. like i just i don't know how anybody could self-teach themselves it's really about the ear isn't it it is the ear but like i tried to play guitar i couldn't get it and he just does it but like you're, it's just magic but you do other things well so. right i do other things well yeah. very cool and you obviously have an ear if you're producing yes i have an ear yes and and i'm assuming that what what led you to be such a good producer and to get picked up by labels is you spent a whole lot of time listening to music yes yeah, music is my passion. That's what I love. Yeah, was there was there anything specific that you that you really loved growing up? You know, listening to other than Shostakovich and uh, uh yeah, I'm my, my actual favorite genre is R and B. R and B. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I grew up listening to Boys to Men, Call Boys Me Bad, um, Shy. Yeah. You know, I I like stuff like that. My father, you know, was in, is into that too. He was like into doo wop, and then he would be into like groups, singing groups, R and B. Like uh -huh. you know, so me and him used to listen to Boys to Men together. Boys to Men. You know, on a Friday we come home from work yeah. and you know I throw on something, some new group that came out. He'd be like, hey, who are these guys? You know, we would just play it for a week and listen together. So yeah. Those and then the days. Uh, you know, rap music too. I was into, but mm -hmm. not now. I don't like. I just don't like the change it's taken. Mm -hmm. But um, why, why, no, could you talk talk about that a little bit? Yeah, like this trap music thing and this mumble rap. It's just not for me. I'm not. I don't have anything against it. It's an art form, and if mm -hmm. there's uh, fans out there that obviously they love that, mm -hmm. that's their thing. You know, like growing up, my father didn't like rap music. You mm -hmm. know, so I guess I'm the older generation now saying that this new generation isn't real music, but it is music. It's just not something that I take a liking to. Yeah, you know, so maybe it's. Uh I don't know what you attribute it to. I kind of think about this a lot. Uh, somebody in the music industry, I, I feel like there's always a tension from generation to generation. Always. Like every 10 years. It's change. 
something. Like they didn't do it right. And then the next generation, it's not what it. you're used to. It's not what you grew up on. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like the old nineties hip hop. That's my favorite, um, uh, hip hop, uh, mm-hmm. thing there. But, um, yeah, this new one, I just can't get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, like even like Drake, I'm not into Drake. <laughs> He's cool. So I was but like, I'm just not into it. Yeah. I got, I got to tell you, I'm not going to spend too much time trash talking. I, I think right. it, it gets me in trouble. Uh, but you know, Drake, isn't he the most all, all time, most streamed artist? He is. I think he's very talented, and some of his music is, is actually great. There are some tracks that he has out that I like, but I'm just not like a diehard fan of it. Like, he well, here's the trash talk part. part. So, if I'm, if I'm understanding that correctly, he's got like billions of streams, right? Billions. But where are they coming from? I don't know. Because the people that I talk to, I never, like, I don't hear his music at a wedding or, like, right. at a it's, you concert. Know, it's, it's funny. I the never whole, hear it. The whole stream. I had this talk um, when Carlos Manassa was here from Portugal. We played in Jersey. And mm-hmm. we went out to eat. And we were talking about how the streaming business has killed the um, the sales part of music. Album sales. Right. Album sales and all that. Because uh, digitally, you can manipulate the streams. You know, it. From what if I, you're an insider, what, right? Right. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, what is it to have pay people to just stream your music? You don't. Is it is it something that it's truthful? Like, it, are every single one of his streams actually fan based where people are listening to the music, or is it just a numbers game and you're just trying to make yourself look better? You know, I think it's a money numbers actual game. hard copies. You know, the label would print you know print out X amount of CDs. You know exactly what's being sold. You know, yeah. Um, I think I think to an extent. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much like Spotify, for instance, purposefully turns a blind eye to the the bot plays. Right, right. Um, I, I say that to Spotify is just a weird streaming platform. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not arts for the artists at all. Do you think that's going to change anytime soon? I don't know. Start getting rid of those bots. I honestly don't know. It's it's just weird. I think it's this whole digital thing. Really, it's good and bad because it opens you up to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, like you, like I don't know who's streaming my music. Mm -hmm. You know, like just three months ago on Spotify alone, I had over like three thousand listeners within like two days because Carl Cox playlisted one of my tracks, and then. He redoes his playlist, and then I'm down to like 300. And I'm like, it's so weird. How in like a day, all of a sudden these people just stop listening to the track? Oh, you're saying uh, you're saying the daily listens went down to 300. The daily listens went from like a day, like in a day, it yeah. just went up and then went down. The spike, yeah. And I'm just like, so what are you telling me? Because it's on his playlist, they specifically listen to it. Like if they like the track, they they'll go to you and listen to the tracks. It's just weird. Yeah, it's it's like an SEO type game. Yeah, that, it's just like that they seem to play. Yeah. It was weird, so I was just like, ah, whatever. I don't even pay attention to it no more. Well, it's hard because um, it's hard to sort of play the game for everybody because uh, I think forty or fifty percent of Spotify is owned by the major labels. Yes. Um, so they've had a lot of trouble. I've spoken with some insiders, um, people that actually moved to other competing platforms like right. Pandora, um, and they and they actually have complained about how like. They have too much of a grip on the algorithm, and yes. and when and that sort of puts their signed artists gives them a greater advantage over competing artists. Right. Um. So I think there lies the end of my trash talk, but uh, I just sort of want to throw that out there for all the <laughs> listeners who are wondering why some artists are doing better than others. Um. Now you, but you've seen a good amount of success. Uh, with uh, some top ten, some top ten hits on your ethnic music store uh, store charts. Yeah, uh, track stores. I think 
Track source I made top ten um two thousand eighteen. Um I was one of the top one hundred techno artists on track source. Uh that's pretty diesel, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had a track called It's Not Over. It was on a label called uh, Music is the Drug. The owner passed away. Oh, but, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was, like, one of the first three tracks I ever released, and it was, like, top ten hmm. on track source, which, uh, to me, was a well, good accomplishment. <laughs> well, for sure. And, yeah. uh, but what do you attribute that to? What do you attribute some of that success to? Is it just the great management? Uh, something no, you did? I, I, did you well, tour? For, as far as like track source um, and like Beatport, that's basically, and you know, that was all organic too. Like that was no me telling people, please go buy my music. I just, I didn't know nothing about that. Mm-hmm. We released the track within a month of, he's contacting me saying, hey, you've been top 10 for the last X amount of weeks. And I didn't even know. And then I get, you know, um, emails from the, about track source about, you know, how I placed for the year. Which was like good. So Beatport, I, I did a couple top 100 on there too. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've had some pretty good um, responses with my music. And then you know, like when they when the labels send out their promos, I have had um, pretty big artists that have been supportive, like mm-hmm. Jamie Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Richie Horton has downloaded and mm-hmm. played my music. Um, hmm. Fatboy Slim, Carl Cox playlisted me on Spotify. Yeah. So yeah, I got some attention that. from larger artists that you have a bigger following, which was good. That's that's uh, that's very impressive. Yes. I mean, not that you need to hear that from me, but that's just, you know, that's for our audience, that's a, it's a big yes. deal. And um uh, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure you're pretty proud of that. And you just you just want to keep pumping it out, right? You just want to yeah, keep you know, hitting you those goals. Attention, right? it's and it's organic attention. Like it's nothing no manipulation with like any type of um, you know, um bots or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. these are real actual real people. people that are supporting your music, you know, and, and uh if you know, it feels good. Do you feel like you you want to connect with those people like you know at a concert like you want to know who's streaming where those streaming numbers are coming from or do you feel like there's sort of this glass not glass ceiling but glass barrier between you and like the listeners with, um, these, with these digital streams like, it's, 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 I really don't pay a lot of attention to like sales and streaming numbers what, what matters to me is actually seeing people talk about it and support it. Like, I don't even care if I had 100 streams on a track, but if I know that some big artist played it at a major festival, mm-hmm. to me, that's successful. And that's your main That's, that's your main my goal. main thing, just getting noticed by the right people and mm-hmm. the music getting placed into the right hands. Because mm-hmm. right now, the production-wise and records, you know, putting out records, it's flooded. There's millions of producers out there. Mm-hmm. There's Anyone can start their own label mm-hmm. now. It's mm-hmm. not the way it was years ago. You mm-hmm. can just open up an LLC and start a new record label mm-hmm. and get your tax ID number and mm-hmm. start putting out your own music through these uh, self-releasing um, platforms. Yep. So to me, that's anybody could do that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to get noticed by the right people, you know, mm-hmm. it's like being a, a guitar player and Jimi Hendrix is saying, Hey, I love your music. You yeah. know, like it's just, that's what I look forward mm-hmm. to. And that's, that's what I want to get feedback you know from these larger artists saying hey you know what that was a good track i know you are it's a good feeling yeah it's a great feeling people that you look up to people that you respect that that you kind of want to be like and then you you start becoming friends with these people in the industry and it's like years ago i was a huge fan of you Mm -hmm. and now we're kind of like working together and it's just Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful feeling and 
do you spend time like networking with with any of these you know celebrities do you go to these i know, go out i go out i show up to show them all. the last couple of years i had i had, uh, got married had two I had two kids so i've been staying home mm-hmm. mostly so like um, two's, two's a good number i got two's two. a good number two girls yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um Congrats. now that they're getting a little older it's a little easier for me to get back out mm-hmm. i took a little break from doing shows and stuff i just wanted to be home with my wife and the kids mm-hmm. you know when they when my first daughter was born i was still doing after hour parties and i remember coming home at like nine o'clock in the morning just like barely keeping my eyes open doing like a 10-hour set and my wife's like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym, take the baby. And I'm just like, oh, I'm the worst father in the world. I can't keep my eyes open. I got to feed her. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a break. A 10-hour me- set? Yeah, I used to play like long sets for after hours. Um, but uh, After yeah, hours was, like event like group? After or? hour parties. Oh, after hour parties. I started party, at like right. 4 in the morning. Yeah. And then I'll get home at like 10 in the morning. Start at 4 in the morning. I'm just like, I'm trying to rack yeah, my some head of, around Some of them would be like, I would start at 4 when the regular nightclubs would end. Mm-hmm. And then they start after our parties. So some of them, they want me to do open or close. So I'd be like 4 in the morning. Sometimes I get home 10 in the morning. Sometimes I get home 1 in the afternoon. That's, and um, huh. so, yeah, yeah. So like that that particular morning I did an after hour and I came home and I just couldn't keep my eyes open. I just felt horrible. And I'm like, you know what? Let's pump the brakes. Yeah. Let me focus on being a dad first, and then when the time's right, I'll be back. But I still produced. Yeah. You know, I did a couple regular shows, you know, here and there just to stay in the loop. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, my wife's like, go out and do what you got to do. We're fine. So now I'm back out. I just picked up a residency once a week at the Dirty Library in Astoria. Mm-hmm. That's every Friday, 10 to 4. Uh-huh. And, you know, the first night was a little slow, and then within a week, everybody picked up, and it's getting better and better. Very cool. Yeah. So... Now, what, what, like, what would constitute like a successful event in that that situation? Just packing it out, just Hit filling the, the house. Capacity numbers, yeah. What kind of capacity are, are this you, one's small? So it's a speakeasy room. It's above a local bar. Mm-hmm. The owner, um, knew, you know, reached out to me and is interested in doing this weekly event. There's no cover at the door, mm-hmm. um, but it's basically like a Friday night speakeasy room, loungy, a hundred mm-hmm. people, and we're mm-hmm. packed. But I like stuff like that because you connect more. Yeah, it's not like five hundred people and you're on this high ledged mm-hmm. DJ booth and you don't know who the hell's out there. Mm-hmm. This is like everybody. Hey, the top these they know who you are. You know who they are, and you connect. You play the, you play music that they love. We vibe out. Mm-hmm. They're there till four in the morning. Like last uh, Friday, they were ready to kick. You know, the security guards are like, "Come on, they're hitting the watches." It's like a quarter after four, and I'm they're like cheering encore and they want more, and we had to go home. Well, it's good. But they like stuff so like that is what I like, mm-hmm. you know, because those those are actual lovers of the music. Yeah, you know, they're not going out to just go out. Right, like they're coming here because they know they're going to hear something that they love. It's Friday night. They had a long work week. Mm-hmm. Have a couple of drinks, dance, and go home. And they're there. They're there to enjoy the music. They're there for, the, not... for the right reason. Well, for what I would say, the right reasons. And, and I would agree because yes. uh, you know it's it's difficult for musicians to, and I've spoken with so many. Uh, to to do a performance where you know a person's back is to them, or where yes. like it's just about the networking. It's you could say it's hurtful, but it's it's not it's not enjoyable, and it's not like a it sort of misses the whole reason why a musician wants to be a musician. Like of by definition, you're performing for them. You're trying to right. share your music. Right. So yeah, this is a little more intimate, and I think you connect a little better. So you would rather play an intimate show with a hundred people yeah. instead of uh, over like. 7,000 people where it's like people are just like screaming and yelling and yeah I've, I've done larger, larger venues um, 
me personally, and I even said this in another interview I did for a magazine, um, I'd rather do smaller venues like this, mm-hmm. 50 to 100 people, 200 people, mm-hmm. but at least you're there connecting. You know, people actually there, like on this Friday party, people are there and they're vibing with you. Mm-hmm. It's not 3,000 people deep and they're sitting on their phones and not paying attention to what's going on. They're mm-hmm. there for the music. Now, when somebody books you, are they going through your manager or do they just book you it directly? It depends. If I know somebody personally, I don't get bougie on people and be like, yeah, you know, contact my manager. I feel like it's just... Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't require you. The management doesn't require you to... No, I mean, well, so let's say you own a place. I know you for years and you're like, hey, Diesel, I want to put you in my spot. I'd be like, fine. Then I'll I'll work out the logistics with you mm-hmm. verbally mm-hmm. and then be like, listen, from here, just contact Biagio and mm-hmm. he'll set everything up, you know, send contracts or whatever. Now, how did you end up with management versus just doing stuff by yourself? And do you prefer management over being independent? I prefer the manager I have now because I know him since pre-K. No way. And I trust him. Uh-huh. You know, Matt, Matt, like for me personally, I don't think I'm on that level where I, you need to go through four different people to connect to, you know, to contact me or connect with me and talk about business. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel as I'm growing, I need to have someone that's going to be on my team that I can trust. Mm-hmm. And not someone who sees me as a cash cow that's going to, you know, they're just seeing it because they want to make money off of whatever, whatever I might mm-hmm. be pulling in. Um, he's there because we love each other. He's mm-hmm. my brother. Mm-hmm. I know that when he's got my back, it's legit. It's not because he just works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, so when he because he, he manages another artist, a uh, singer, Bria Lee, who I worked with, I produced for her. She had a couple of amazing tracks that she put out with Republic Records. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been working together with her. And he was I was like, hey, you know, you're managing her. Why don't you manage me like a few years back? And he was like, sure. And that's how we worked. I was a handshake and a hug and that's it. Sorry, just so I understand. So you produced music for Bria Lee. Right, so Bria, Bria, Bria Lee's on Republic Records. Um and uh, a few years back, she had a hit one shot with Fat Joe and Pitbull. Mm-hmm. And then I remixed that track for them. And Republic was supposed to put it out, but they didn't want to put it out under my name. They wanted to put it under one of their producers' oh, names. Oh, they wanted to buy it out from you? Yeah, they wanted it. And they, no from, from what I was told, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have the conversation. It was uh-huh. relayed back to me. But they were willing to release this remix, which I still have and, um, and I still play. And uh, but they weren't willing to give me the credit for it, so I was. They would. I'd rather have the credit than have the money. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. So they want to buy buy you yeah, they were out. Give me. I, from what I was told, there was a number that they were willing to negotiate, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't get the credit. There would be someone else's name as the remixer. And now, if that number was high enough, would you have taken that? No. No matter how high the, no, if they gave my, you a that's my fifty art. grand, or you that's just would say no. It's that's my work. Good for you. So now, and in retrospect, did you make the right decision? Absolutely. And 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 how do you know that? Because it it launched your career. What happened? Like it didn't launch my. It, it just I. For me, it's successful because I didn't sell out. Okay. Which I would never do. This is something I do music because I love to do it. Yeah. I don't care if I never make a dollar off of mm-hmm. it. I do it because this is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. It's my passion. It's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what makes me. You know, it makes my day better. When I have a bad day going making music, I feel better. Um, mm-hmm. But clearly opportunities came your way as a result of, of had, releasing this, no? No, I mean, well, because of the track? No, because nobody knew about it. But your name was on it, no? My name's on it, but it never got released. Oh, right. Okay. It's not released. 
So that's like my little personal weapon now when I play. Oh, it's your personal weapon that like when I play my shows. Like I played it recently a couple weeks ago, and everybody went nuts. Like holy, like wait. Which track is this? And I'm like, see, this one's a bomb. I'm not giving it to anybody. So you only play it at shows. At my shows. And you... I'm not even giving it to anybody to play. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I can... And every time I play the track, people are like, please, can I get a copy of it? And I'm like, and you're no. like no. Nope. Now, when is DJ Diesel going to release this track? I don't know. I was talking with Bria the other day about it. Yeah. And my manager. So we're going to come up with something. But I have actually... Three track. I'm actually working on new music with her. Not even in the house music genre, like um, jazz. Really? Yeah, I'm venturing out to other genres. Now, how are you working on jazz? Are you, do you are you bringing in pianists or? She's a pianist. Okay. So we have her, and then whatever sounds I've been uh, working with Rhythms and, and putting together. Stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we have a we have one that we've just finished up, and she she did the writing and everything, and I did the production part. But so she's gonna do, do She's a writer, singer, and plays piano. But she's a pop artist, or she's a jazz, jazz artist. She no. Well, she the music she has out was like uh, pop, popish. Mm-hmm. Um, her album that she I don't know if she did an album. She did a few releases with Republic. Uh, is like in the pop genre, mm-hmm. but she's her her sound is very jazzy, soulful, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what she really loves to do. So mm-hmm. when we we actually put a studio. We made a studio in Brooklyn so we can work together. Um, really, and uh, so th- so far the first track because I'm working on an album for next year. I have one album out on Opium Music that came out years ago, 2020. Hmm. It was like eight tracks, hmm. um, and now this one's gonna be a 12 track uh, album. But I want to put different genres. I don't want it to be just techno house. Hmm. I want people to see that I can. Play, I can make produce other genres, mm. so like that's I'm like you know venturing out, testing my creative abilities. Why not? Yeah. So uh, so far it's coming together. I have like five tracks that are complete mix mastered, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna do this one with her, and then do a remix like house version. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. But let me start with this. You obviously have a lot of aspirations. I mean, you're growing your career. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, you're kind of venturing out into different musical genre territory. Yes. Are you looking to like, what are you looking to do in the next year, the next two years, the next five years? Well, next year, I'm hoping to put out this new um, album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start getting out, start traveling more for other venues mm-hmm. um, like internationally or just yeah internationally I mean I, I played in St. Martin a few times mm. for um, a Labor Day SXM festival that they had there mm. um, I want to get out you know venture out more like I'm going to go to Costa Rica in January check out the BPM festival mm. uh, hopefully maybe one day be on the on the bill for that mm. um, yeah that's basically it you know and, and like other nightclubs and you know other venues that are International and that, you know, uh, within the country too. I want to get out of New York a little bit, spread. Okay. You've been you here know. too long, huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I need to travel. Now, how about your kids? I mean, uh, if I'm gone for a couple of days, I'm probably going to miss them. I miss them, missing them right now. They probably here. miss you. <laughs> they will miss me. Um, I mean, if I'm, I'm, I'm going anywhere good, I'll just make a family trip out of it. My wife will have to babysit while I'm out working. St. Martin, that sounds pretty good to me. St. Martin was great, yeah. So does, she, great. does your wife ever say, hey, you got to take us along? That's a prerequisite to you signing no, the contract. She's, she's fine. I mean, I would want to take them along. That's how I'll get homesick. 
Yeah. I'm a family man. You You're know, a family man. I okay. love my kids. I love my wife. Do you feel like there's like a tension between the music produ- production and touring career uh, and raising a family for most people? I mean, you obviously seem to be doing it right. Yeah, I can't speak for most- everybody else, but for me, it's very hard, I think, right now because my kids are very young. So when they're first born... How old they, are they again? Uh, two and one. Two, very young. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think like having newborns, it's best for me to be there. Mm-hmm. I just want to feel right traveling and not being home. Mm-hmm. God forbid something was to happen and I'm not there. Yeah. As they get older, um, it's easier to have a babysitter too when they're a little older. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to leave them with somebody in my family for a few days when they're kind of like self-caring, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of themselves, um, it's a little easier than, than being infants and every three hours they have to eat and stuff like that. So as they're getting older, I'm noticing it's getting a little easier for me to get out. I'm assuming you, you have a lot of sleepless nights with your kids at that age. As I remember, I have, I have two kids. So yes. I, got a, I got almost four-year-old. I have an 11-year-old. Yes. It's been a while, but yeah. am yeah, I right? My older daughter, it's funny. Um, since she's, she's born in May, um, mm-hmm. like four or five months, mm-hmm. she would be in the studio with me on my lap. And telling me what sounds like she likes. Oh, that's clapping. Adorable. Like I would pick out kick drums. And I'd be like, "You like this one? You like this one? No, no." Now she sits on my lap and she's like, "Daddy, no," and then she'll like whistle mm-hmm. a sound that I download mm-hmm. or whatever. And she like my last three tracks. She picked out every sound. No way that it was on there. We've got a future producer. Yeah, we got something future there, and she already knows how to mix. We had a we have a spot here on the couch. We could have had her. <laughs> she as when I was leaving, she was like she wanted to come with me. But uh, have you ever had an interview where your kids are like crawling all over you, or like somebody starts crying in the middle? No, no, not yet, not yet. But I'm sure it'll happen soon. <laughs> daddy, daddy, <laughs> I need you to wipe me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you're truly blessed, you know, Thank on the you. professional sense and in, in terms of the family yeah. and in terms of like, I mean, you, you're blessed, blessed just living out here on Long Island. I mean, what's, what's better than that? I know. Yeah, Long Island's great, except for the traffic when you're traveling from the city. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure you've been to L.A. now. I've been to L.A., yeah. That's probably, yeah. I feel like that's 10 times worse. Worse. And Brooklyn is way worse than Long Island. Brooklyn from, is horrible. Yeah. I'm from Williamsburg. You go down Bedford Avenue, it takes you 20 minutes to get down a block. Tell me about it. Yeah. Whenever I try to go to Jersey, I've tripled my prices personally because of, because of Brooklyn. Right. Solely Brooklyn right. is the reason. Yeah. So, But you have a studio there, right? I have a studio in, in Williamsburg, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that we just uh, finished putting together. You wanted to contribute to the traffic. I just, yeah, I just, sometimes you just, I, it takes me too long to get home and I just uh-huh. don't feel like making music when I get here. So tired. So now when I'm in Brooklyn and I have an idea, I go straight to that studio and do it. And when I'm in Long Island, I have my home studio. And where do you find yourself? What's your preference? Home studio home. or home? Home. Why not? Right? Home. Yeah. I, I've noticed that I make, I'm more creative. I am more clear headed on a full night's sleep and you're going to laugh, but it's the truth. I've. I made some of my best tracks um, at like six in the morning, Uber Eats, Mm -hmm. McDonald's breakfast. For some reason, McDonald's breakfast does something to my brain. (laughs) Probably just breakfast in general. No, I I eat other breakfasts. I'm just like, ah, when I eat McDonald's, there's something in that food. I don't know what it is. And I just stop pumping out music. It's crazy. It it satisfies something in my brain. Now, you've helped me very uh, uh, conveniently segue into pumping 
from pumping out to pumping diesel. Yes. Obviously, you lift weights. I use, I do, yeah. I mean, not as much now as I used to. Okay. I was like a big gym buff years ago. But and, um, I don't know. I just, so what gave? I mean, I, I still work out, but uh, I'm just not as into it as I was. And, I mean, and, like, I don't need to be the big meathead of the crowd no more. <laughs> I just care about being healthy and staying in somewhat shape. Okay. So it's about your heart health. As opposed now to it's about my biceps. actual health as I'm getting older, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess it's about feeling good in the morning. It's about feeling good in the morning. It's about knowing I'm not going to drop dead tomorrow. Yikes. Like, you know. <laughs> Do you have any re- reason to believe that? No, it's just, you know, you get, it's, it's, as you get older, you got to take care of yourself a little better. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of, I have friends are diabetics now after they hit over, I'm 43. And, um, you know, some guys became diabetics. They're over obese and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, I just, you know, I have kids. I want to try to be here as long as I can for them. It's funny in this country how we, we tend to be supposedly living longer but sicker. Right. Um, it's the food. It's the food, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I do my best to to cook for my family, right. even though it takes so much time. Right. I mean, I spent like an hour cooking yesterday just to like yeah. make and something that my clean. kid's going to eat. How about you? Do you, do you have I time cook. for that stuff? No, I cook, yeah. I cook. I actually enjoy cooking, mm-hmm. but um, it's, a, it's a chore. Yeah. You know, buying the food, prepping the food, cooking yeah. the food, cleaning the mess. Yeah. You know. I, I don't want my kids get a little older. I'll make them do the dishes. Yeah, or, or I, you, I have we have a dishwasher. I've just never used the thing. You don't use the dishwasher. No, I just don't see the, what the dishwasher does. <laughs> you you load it up. It takes time to clean. It takes me two seconds hours, to clean right? a dish, and then you know if I need to reuse that dish while it's in the dishwasher, I got to stop the dishwasher. I'm just I tell my wife, you do the dishwasher. I'll wash by hand. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can understand that. Yeah, 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 I'm a little old school with that. Well, um. Yeah, I can totally identify with the whole. Yeah, my kids are gonna go help me do the dishes, or oh, they're yeah. gonna do the, be the do the suit chef, or maybe cook. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're gonna put in their time. Um, what can you tell me about uh, about biohacking? Can you like in terms of what, like what what you should take, or yeah, well, what do you you know? You're you're a veteran. You've been doing this for a while, mm-hmm. so you, you see the benefit, the pros and cons. Um, okay. You know, a guy like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he. I don't. I, I don't know if this is really the case, but he really built himself up, and then he had heart. He had heart disease, or he had heart trouble, and they told okay. him to sort of let let. I guess I loosen think up most, on. I think some I, I'll be honest. With you, it's hard. It's hard to tell anybody exactly how they should train and and diet because everybody's genetically different. Yeah, and you have different blood types. So would what you, I would do personally might yeah. be different than what you would need. But. Well, what could you share about biohacking? Like, do you do you recommend? You don't have to even like prescribe a supplement, but a supplement. You, I, yeah. um, I believe you should take in enough protein to build lean muscle tissue, mm-hmm. but that's anybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're going to get your protein from? It's hard to tell. I mean, whey protein is very good. I took it. I still take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they say it's good to get your protein from food, uh, animal protein is the best way but mm-hmm. it's hard like it's hard because they they tell you that the meats are washed with pneumonia and you know you got to find organic mm-hmm. farms to buy your meat like my wife found a place that they mail it to us now they ship the meat to us everything's packaged and frozen and there's no antibiotics and everything which is mm-hmm. uh what we've been using now like for steaks and burgers and stuff like that um, like locally uh yeah it's like a local farm she found somewhere on long island 
and they send it to the house. You put an order in of what you want, and it gets no shipped to the house frozen, and they're nice cuts. And it's the clean. same price as like a Whole Foods or yeah, like it's, a, not, it's really not that bad. I mean, I, I we've been I've been living off of that for the last year, and it's it's pretty good. Grass fed organic. Grass fed organic. You can yeah. get better than that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, because they tell you if you go to the supermarket, if the redder the meat is, the more chemical it has. Really? From what I've been reading, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how true it is, but oh just the fact that it's being said, I don't. I have kids. I don't want them to drink. I uh, eat stuff that's got pneumonia or whatever chemicals they're pumping into it. Well, I know uh, in the case of uh, salmon, they they die. They put in dyes in the food. Yeah, I don't like. So I don't eat salmon. So, oh, you don't like the taste of salmon? I don't eat salmon at all. And uh-huh. then I used to, when I was younger, I was uh, training to compete once, which I dropped out of because I just couldn't do it. With weightlifting? Huh? With weightlifting? Yeah, with yeah. weightlifting. Um, but my, my uh, trainer used to order boxes of tilapia mm-hmm. and have it shipped to my house. And I just, I, I, if I hear it, if I see it, I'll, I get so nauseous sick. Uh-huh. I used to have to burn it in the, the broiler with lemon and cut it up in, into pieces and swallow, uh, swallow it pill form like I've taken pills you and I are alike um, I've, I've whatever been to the supermarket where, where I would buy food like tilapia or even salmon and if it's like slightly off uh, I just get frustrated because I, I cook the day of because I know yeah. that it takes like one day for this stuff to yeah. start taking, smelling rancid yeah. and even the le- and the lemon helps a little bit yes. and the, the braising it but uh I gotta tell you, we got into grilling this past year. I don't right. know if you, 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 you like grilling. Good. I find that they say real men grill. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, we've been grilling for what a few thousand years now. Yeah, if yeah. you consider the yeah uh, the campfires and yeah, and that's that's how it started before stoves came around. Right. Um, definitely tastes better. It does. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I can ad- definitely identify. Um, and it, it's kind of sad to hear this because you'd probably still be into tilapia if the food was fresh or like. I'm not into you know. fillets. I'm not really a big fish guy. Yeah. But I ate it because that's what they were telling me to eat, and I had to force feed myself. So I had to figure out a way to, to get this down the hatch. Oh my gosh! So like I said, I would chop it up into pieces and sw- and drink Ugh. water and swallow it like I was taking pills. Ah. And it just makes me sick now. Like yeah. I just I don't eat salmon. Um, I like bison. Venison is good for you. Yeah. You know, like my, my most of my family, my uncles, my cousins, they go hunting. And I'll be mm-hmm. like, you know, give me a few pounds of the meat, yeah. freeze it, and I have mm-hmm. it's just a healthier um, choice, mm-hmm. uh, animal protein-wise. They say bison's the most healthiest, less fat, pro- high-protein content, um, mm-hmm. and then you have venison, number two on the list. Mm-hmm. So that's good to eat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lean meat, I guess. Lean. Poultry? How about poultry? I eat chicken. Mm-hmm. Um turkey that's mm-hmm. about it but uh even like I, I have to go to a local butcher to get the chicken like i don't buy anything from the supermarket purdue and all that stuff is just mm. not for me yeah i again i mean we're like cut from the same cloth here i have a lot of concerns about the food industry yeah um so it's it's really it's nice to talk to like a minded, yes. like-minded person i know there are a lot of other people there's a growing number of people that have concerns because of just like right. all these diseases anyway i don't want to i don't like to veer off sure. too much off of music <laughs> Um, unless you do, of course, but, um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, do you have like a favorite song that you've released? Yeah. My favorite song that I have released is feel my body. Oh, right. Uh, 1980 recordings. Yeah. That one. And, um, is that just, what makes you love that song so much? Is it like the lyrics or is it just the the whole vibe of it? It's like an Afro tech, uh, vibe. Mm -hmm. And I would say the other one. That's my favorite is um, a track called The Sizzle. 
that I released on Carlos Manassas' label um, with my friend Travis. He's the vocalist on it. Mm-hmm. And that track has a lot of meaning for me, but it's also, I would say, my top three releases. Could you, do you mind telling us about the meaning? Um, yes, I can. It's a little, uh, and I get a little choked up sometimes when I talk okay. about it. Um, All right. So tra- when I met my wife, um, one of her close friends is uh, Travis Rosueno. He's the vocalist on the, the track, and it was his idea to make the track. Mm-hmm. Um, he got diagnosed with ALS. Oh. So, you know, to watch him uh, go through that is very hard for me. Yeah. Uh, it's a very gradual decline, Yeah, it's right? just, you know, I mean, thankfully he's still here, and we still talk, you know, and we uh, got to do the track. So he's a huge house music lover. Mm-hmm. Chusin Chabayos are his favorite. Um, so uh, the, the, when he got diagnosed with this, he was still, you know, good, you know, walking and everything. Um, and we were at a barbecue and um, wound up eating these gummies or whatever. And they we walked in the trees and like everything's vibrant. It was just funny. And a friend of mine was grilling behind us, but we didn't know. It's just me and Travis laying there talking about stuff. And we heard like this crackling noise and I'm like dude I don't know what the heck's in that edible but he's like I can't I can't get this sound out of my ear uh. he's like me too and I'm like it's like a sizzle sound he's like yeah and then my friend Pat's behind me he's like you two idiots he's like I'm grilling steaks and I'm like oh my god and Travis like listen we gotta do a track called the sizzle. sizzle I was like I'll only do it if you come up with the lyrics and record yourself saying whatever you wanna say and I'll, I'll produce the track and he did so and the, um, I had got that released through Carlos Manassas, which is another one of his favorite um, producers and DJs besides myself, obviously. Of course, I'm his number one. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I also got Pablo Chabalos, part mm-hmm. of Chusin Chabalos, mm-hmm. to support that track and play it at big festivals, which I think was great and made him feel really good. Very cool. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you collaborate with, with other artists or you know other people that you're, you either are interested in working with or they're interested in working with you, do you find that there are any challenges that you can share with the audience about you know, uh, maybe having them change the, the track into something that's maybe of their interest that you're not really, that you didn't really envision? It, de- it depends yeah. on who I'm working with. So if I'm working with a vocalist, basically I'll let them handle the lyric content and um, however they want to present the vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give some input, my insight, once the track is done, and say, hey, Mio, if we change this, what do you, how do you feel about it? Mm-hmm. As far as producing the actual music, that's on me, unless mm-hmm. I'm working with another producer. You know, so like sometimes, you know, if there's remixes or whatever I did, like when I did with Funk Investigation, um, we went back and forth, you know, with the remix. Uh, you know, you change the stem or they'll change the stem, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just depends on who I'm working with. You know, mm. I'm very open-minded. Mm. Um, I'm not one of those people that's like, this has to be my way or else. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always open to hearing insight and how do you feel about how, how, well, how you want to present this music to the world. Mm. You know, do you, there's a certain sound you want to do? Is there a certain way you want to uh, edit the track? And I'm always, you know, like I said, I'm open-minded to that. So you'd say that flexibility is sort of key to yeah. a successful collab. Yes. Yeah. Listen, if you gotta, if you're gonna work with someone, you gotta, put, you gotta make sure you put something together that everybody's happy with. For sure. Do you find that there's like a lack of alignment between your listeners and what you think sounds good? Like, you know, you, you release a song like Sizzle. Obviously, that was successful, but maybe a different song. Um, and then you find that it kind of flops, or maybe it doesn't do as well as you 
you you want you anticipated that it should have done. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it, did you not pay want, attention to that stuff. I haven't really had any uh, issue where I question myself about that. It's just to me, some records do better than others. Just it gets it just takes a liking, and also your mm -hmm. marketing. You know, if you don't get it into the right hands, like you know, I did some labels that I released on that I feel if I would have released with another label, the track might have done better mm. just because of their whole marketing system of how they got the music out. You mm. know, to put music out on a, a streaming platform, let's say like Beatport, mm. there's thousands of tracks coming out per day. Yeah. How are you going to get noticed on a list? You're going to tell me that majority of the public and the fans are going to sit there. First of all, Fans don't really go on Beatport from what I what I see. They they rather use Spotify or iTunes mm -hmm. or Apple, right? Yeah. But to go like on Beatport and see a thousand different tracks coming out, no one's sitting there listening to every track for the day. Mm -hmm. They're gonna go to their favorite label, favorite artist, see who's out, yeah. and download. You know, or, may, so, or maybe playlist. Um, if you get on a playlist, yeah, you know, you got you got to they, they, some of these labels need to work on that and putting out playlists and help their artists mm -hmm. you know if you're gonna if I'm gonna give you my music and I trust you as a label to uh, market me correct correctly you need to you know do what I'm expecting mm -hmm. some of these labels they're not ready to do that you know they're the very boutique small labels mm -hmm. I don't think they're growing they don't think they get it yet you know so that's why it's nice to do your homework mm -hmm. on who you want to present your music to for release otherwise you're gonna have to do it yourself uh, do your homework as far as uh, like seeing their their track record of success with other artists? Yeah, well, you know, it took me a while to understand. Like, like um, when I first started releasing mu music, I remember talking with Scribble, and he's because he j uh, just started a new group with uh, my friend Dom called Street Slang, mm. and I remember talking Dom Tafaro. Dom Tafaro. I I uh, we didn't quite do a performance together. But I, we almost we, we spoke on the phone a few times. That like yeah, back Dom in the Tafar, day. a good friend of mine. Was, yeah, he's gonna play with me. Uh, DJ in a couple Surge weeks. would connect. Oh yeah, us. yeah, yeah. yeah he's cool ago, with yeah. Surge. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's linked up with Scribble. Uh -huh. I remember me and Scribble playing Freeport together at that time, and I was just starting. It was back in 2018, putting my music out. And he's got some cool productions. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. good. They're actually very good. Very talented guys. Yeah. But I remember Scribble saying like, "What, what's like, what is it that you're looking to do?" Because they're looking to just get on top labels and get noticed. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm like, I just want to get the music out. I don't care what label I get on. I just want to get the music out. But now I understand why he was telling me you should, you know, do your homework and focus on what labels. Be selective on who you release with, because mm -hmm. some labels don't treat their artists properly. Mm -hmm. Not that it's right or wrong. Some of them just don't put enough effort in to get your music marketed correctly. Mm -hmm. So now I learned that, and now I understand what he was telling me. And and so if you found the best label, do you plan on just sort of sticking with that label? Because you, I would like to. Like Nervous Records is my favorite label personally, and to be part of that label yeah. is one of my biggest accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And then I became friends with the A and R, my A and R Andrew Silzano. Um, mm -hmm. But like, he's he's. Um, Accepted the tracks obviously that are released through them, but he's a tough nut to crack. Mm -hmm. Like I'll send him tracks, and he'll be like, oh, "I like it, but it's not." And I'm like, "But it's better than what I would." I'm like, "Oh, I feel like this is better than what we released." Mm -hmm. And we'll like just laugh about it. And he's like, "Listen, keep sending me your music. Like, we're friends now, you know. We're cool." Uh -huh. But um, it's like, so I try to stick with one label, but if they're not going to accept the tracks, them, yeah. right, then you got to farm it out to somebody else. Interesting, um, and that's that's interesting. So it's sort of a trade-off, you know. You can kind of sit on the song for a while, keep right. working on it, 
and maybe release it with your ideal label right. or alternatively you could just sort of get it right pump it out because i mean I get it. Uh, the the pressure the pressure is to kind of earn the income, and you need to keep your fans interested right. and engaged yes. regularly from month to month. Yes. So yeah. uh, you need to stay consistent. But here's the thing: if you stick with one label, you're only catering to that label's fan base. You got to remember, there's thousands of fans out there. Yeah. Not everybody likes that label. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to venture out to other labels. Be part of multiple labels who have different followings. That's how you're going to get known. So diversify is the yes. name of the game. Yes. And now, what are other ways to like diversify as far as income? As income. That what do you do to diversify, or do you not worried about that? I'm. Uh, I don't worry too much about the income. Uh, because if you if you're getting me personally, my advice is if you're getting into this because you think you're going to become rich and famous, you're going to be disappointed. Huh. Uh, sales wise music nobody's making money like mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. did years ago um, I mean there's only a few labels that I actually see ch- uh, payouts from depending on what kind of contract you sign off on mm-hmm. and what kind of split you do on your publishing and mm-hmm. um, royalty wise um, but um, I here's what I, I say your music career is like an investment mm-hmm. If you're dedicated and it's what your passion is, eventually, mm-hmm. it may take longer than some, eventually you can make a living doing it, I feel. Mm-hmm. If, you are, if you are consistent and stick to it, the problem is a lot of people give up. So therefore, if you want to be an artist, a DJ, mm-hmm. DJ, producer, slash artist, then do it, mm-hmm. but also have a job. Okay. Side hustle. You need to have, and and then let me tell you this: there's nothing wrong with having multiple sources of income, whether you invest, work, whatever it is. But are you doing this full time, or do you have other um, sources? Of I income? do it full time. I own a pest control business, and mm-hmm. my wife and I have real estate. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have sources. You've of diversified, income. right? I have sources of income. Yeah, mm-hmm. but even if I wasn't doing this, I would still have multiple sources of income. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with maybe being an owner of multiple businesses. Get mm-hmm. your foot into whatever you can. Make yeah. your money. Yeah. And do this, too, if that's what you love to do. But at least when you're not making money doing this, you have money coming in. So, right. if, like, for me, if I don't make money off a show, like, you know, if I do shows for free or if I don't make money off of a track that gets released, I'm fine with it because mm-hmm. I'm financially fine mm-hmm. you know where so I don't get um, discouraged and be like you know what this isn't for me I didn't make a dollar off that show mm-hmm. some shows I invest in you know put the money up for rental equipment or um, you know if, if the promoters or owners of the venue are like hey we're gonna give this to you but we're not gonna put up any money to invest you know because they don't know nothing about the business I'll be like that's fine give me the party I'll pay the openers I'll get the rental equipment and whatever I get into, you know, but I'll take a, a cut of the door or a percentage of the bar huh. and figure out some kind of deal like that. That's pretty generous. I'm but, sure um, I appreciate that. But I'm just saying like, you know, so, stuff like that. So you got to be willing to invest in yourself. Hmm. You know, uh, if, if I, you know, like if, like if, if I was releasing music and it's like, I need to pay for advertising, the label's not going to do it. I'll do it. 
because I believe in myself and mm-hmm. I want myself to be successful. And that's what certain people I think need to learn and understand. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be like you come into the thing and you're some Mr. Talent uh, and everybody's like, hey, we got you. It's you need to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't expect anybody to do for you what you're not willing to do for yourself. You guys hear that? It's a, it's a business. It uh, is. You got to invest in yourself. You want other people to consider investing in you. Correct. So... Some wise words yes. from DJ Diesel. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your insights. I could talk to you all day. I know. Um, me too. <laughs> and I, I guess you sort of led into my my last question, which was yep. which was pretty much advice for aspiring musicians. Is there anything else like you'd like to share for people? Because there's a lot of people who want to be who want to do what you do. They do. Um, I would I would say this. Um, we're in a very uh, um, inclined. Um, Hold on, the right words I'm trying to say. As far as learning to DJ, te- technology-wise, it's very inclined when, so in the sense of it's a digital um, base now where you're learning off of a program or buying a controller mm-hmm. or whatever it is, and you have the sync button. Mm-hmm. One, if you want to use the sync button, go ahead. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. When you're a DJ, it's all about your selection and getting that crowd to feel what you're doing mm-hmm. and to vibe with you. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be respected, you need to learn the art of DJing mm. and learning vinyl and whatever else you need to do mm-hmm. to be respected and for yourself. Because mm-hmm. anyone can push that sync button and play a track. So if you're going to learn how to DJ, learn the actual art form of it and be a DJ. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're looking to progress your career, you need to learn to produce mm-hmm. and make your own music and make your own sound and create something that no one else has. Stand out from the other million people out mm-hmm. there that claim to be a DJ. Of which there are many. There are many. <laughs> everybody wants, everybody and their aunt wants to be a, a DJ. Yeah. Well, uh, those were words to the wise. Guys, I hope you guys are listening very carefully to what DJ Diesel was uh, just sharing with you because those are some inspiring points that he just made and uh, I just want to thank you again for coming thank you for having me uh, where can listeners uh, find you uh, I run a podcast uh, called Untamed Radio mm-hmm. um, that's uh, streamed on Spotify Mixcloud Google Play mm-hmm. um, I'm not Spotify uh, SoundCloud Mixcloud um, Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. uh, Google uh, iHeartRadio mm-hmm. it's on a bunch of them it's um it's hosted by Syndicast, so they just they pump it out to all the streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, releases out on multiple labels that you can stream on Spotify, Deezer, um, I, uh, Apple Pod, uh, Apple Music, mm-hmm. Beatport, TrackSource. And uh, do you have a website or a social media? Uh, www.djdiesel.com. Okay. I have um, merchandise you can buy on there, diesel shirts, uh, mm-hmm. shirts for your kids and stuff like that. I have all... Uh, Everything's on my website, you know, my um, articles and magazines, whatever it is, mm-hmm. any anything that I've done. Uh, my music links are on there. My channels are on there or anything you need. Okay. And my upcoming performances are all posted on there. <clears throat> Very cool. So, guys, go check them out and uh, send them a DM. Say hello yes, and listen sir. to his music. Yes. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Thanks so much for tuning into the Soundwave Chronicles podcast, where you can stream our interviews wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoyed the interview and learned something new today. And if you did, please leave a review so we can keep bringing you great content. Thank you and have a great rest of the week.